Welcome back to another episode of The Scores Table. I'm William Robbins. We got a pretty fun episode here. NBA season is underway. We are one week in. Julian, how weird is that first week of the season? What is good, everybody? What is good to the scores? Hi, Will. This first week of the season is crazy as shit. I have no idea what's happening in this world right now. Bruce Brown is three of three from three point. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins has a has a positive, like, like he's doing positive things in NBA games. Like, I can't, I, I don't even know what's happening. But, yeah, hey, hey, it's great nothing, to be back. It's great nothing, to be back. <laughs> yeah, nothing makes sense here to start the season, but we we got you all covered. Now, before we get into this episode, which, by the way, this episode features a few a few teams of buying or selling, our new segment, uh, a few teams that should they be hitting the panic button, and then, some, you know, some crowd favorite segments of the Rogier Report and the Kyrie Panic Meter. And boy, <laughs> was today a good day for the po- Kyrie Panic Meter. <laughs> No, we'll get there later. We'll get there later. Well, aside from aside from your glee in in Kyrie in your, in the Kyrie <laughs> news the past few days, how, how's everything with you? All good, you know. Okay, so we've been recording this pod now for almost a year, over a year, something around there. Yeah, probably a year. And the most amount of comments I've ever gotten to me for our entire history of our pod was about my Mookie Betts rant. <laughs> The amount of people that have texted me and messaged me or just said something to me about how funny and how much they enjoyed my Mookie Betts rant was, <laughs> I appreciate it. And you know what? Hopefully, the Red Sox just hired a new uh, president of baseball operations, um, something, Shane uh, Bloom. Literally no idea who he is. I'm not even going to pretend to because, again, I don't really follow baseball. But yes. Yeah, Let's just say was, he has exactly three months, basically, to show me how capable he is. Yeah, I mean, the, whatever's going to happen with Betts is going to be a chain reaction. Because... Oh <laughs> you God. hear that one, Will? Yeah, I did. It took me a second. I was like, <laughs> that was fantastic. That was <laughs> um, also, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sad that the Yankee season ended, you know, no. but, but it's all good. It's all good. I'm not, I'm not mad, you know. Today, no, now you guys are just going to trade for Mookie Betts. Oh, that, that would be fantastic, but, you know, and, and, you know, Houston can have this one. It's cool. It's cool. Like, I mean, what does what Houston, really Houston have other than other, other than the Astros, you know? What do they James have? Harden. They got, they're not even the best city in Texas. People don't care about Houston. They're like Fort Worth, you know? Austin, Dallas. Nobody cares about Houston. All, all, all Houston has is Travis Scott. That's, that's and it. James Harden. And Russell Westbrook, which leads us into and Deshaun our- Watson. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> which leads us into our first topic. Yeah. So our first topic here in our buying or selling segment: Are we buying or selling that Russ and Harden could actually work? Julian, I'll let you go first, here. I'm buying this. I'm okay. weirdly enough buying this. As weird as a match it is on paper, in theory, just thinking of like rational concepts of basketball that two guys who need the ball and, and and take a <laughs> and almost hold on to the ball in a hostile manner in the last few mm-hmm. years putting them together doesn't seem like a good idea obviously however i'm i just like what i've seen from this rockets team i just like what i've seen even though their first loss of the season against the bucks was a tough one and they blew a big lead in the second half I was really encouraged from what I saw in the first. Extremely encouraged. I think Russ, Russ still has these times where it looks like he's kind of lapsing into his old self as far as 
you know, the bad pull-up jumpers and some really ill-advised, out-of-control type passing. God damn. <laughs> Yo, this some dude cut in front of the train. Wow. Should have just hit him. Anyway, um... <laughs> uh, anyway, um... I, I also just really like how the role players are playing. Tyson Chandler is actually look decent. Uh, Clint yep. Capella is is uh, he seems to definitely have a bit of a comeback in him this year after everybody was hating on him for um, not being able to be played essentially against the Warriors in the playoffs. Eric Gordon has has been has been up and down. Ben McLemore has showed Flash as my guy, but 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 all in all, I I like the chemistry that Russ and Harden have exhibited. I think D'Antoni's done a good job of mixing and matching them. And even though Harden hasn't shot well at all this year, I'm buying them. I think that they could they're they're a, that they're almost a legitimate contender in the Western Conference. Well, what do you think? I'm also buying them. Now, James Harden has been a train wreck so far this year. Mm-hmm. He is shooting six for forty from three point this year. Oh, we including <laughs> including a two for eighteen from three point. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's crazy. He's, but, he's not... <laughs> but here's what James Harden has done. He's attempted 56, I think, 56 free throws in three games. He's just been incredible getting to the line. Mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker has, I mean, his shooting is is not sustainable. He's shooting like, what is he shooting? Like, six, yes, yeah, 67% from three-point. Mm-hmm. So none of this is sustainable with that. But... I think they can make this work. There, there was a clip the other day during one of the Rockets games of James Harden and Russell Westbrook kind of getting into it on the sideline as they were checking in. Uh-huh. Normally that would scare me, but for some reason it's not with them. Exactly. And I don't know why, because if it was like, if it was LeBron and AD, it would scare me. If it was literally anyone, uh-huh. but I just have faith in these guys to figure it out. They're two and one so far to start the season as the time, as of the time we record this. I just think I just think that they're good. Mm-hmm. And I think that D'Antoni has done so far a decent job at staggering the minutes. Westbrook's been great. Mm-hmm. I mean, Westbrook is averaging a triple double again. I just the question to me is, is James Harden not playing well? Because maybe he showed up to camp out of shape, or he's just a rough patch to start the season, or is it a direct result of having a player like Westbrook next to him? Yeah, I mean, as far as that, the jury's definitely still out. I mean, what, we're three, four games into the season, that's definitely yeah. something I mean, that... Yeah, they played three <laughs> games total. Exactly, that's going to be hopefully resolved, or well, we'll see, we'll, we'll at least have a good report on what that is in the future in, in the next few weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah, but overall, overall, I think they can turn it around, and they'll be pretty good. Yeah, I'm cautiously buying. All right, so am I, so am I. Our next one, buying or selling, the Mavericks as a potential playoff team? They're 2-1 and one so far this season. Again, we're only a week into the season. All of this is very reactionary of what we're doing. Oh, but course. hey, welcome to first week in the NBA. <laughs> the, Mavericks, yep. the Mavericks have been, I mean, Luka has if this is really who Luca is, then holy hell. Because right now, is it a stretch to say that right now Luca and and KP are are the second most unstoppable duo in the NBA after uh, LeBron and AD? I'm not going there just yet. I mean, we've seen. I mean, we we don't know. 
we, I'm, not, I'm not going there just yet, but I understand where you're coming from. Oh, I'm ready. And, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're ready. Son, you are ready. Um, I think that in, in a few weeks, in a, in a, in a few months, where I, I could definitely agree with you on that. But, but for right now, I'm, I'm still hesitant with this Mavericks team because yep. the Mavericks have been scoring. Oh, yeah. They've been scoring. I mean, KP and Luka at this point, this that's good for fifty a game. Well, they're averaging almost for, sixty a game. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's at least fifty a game, fifty to sixty a game. That's what it's been so far. However, when you look at the rest of this team, I mean, it's filled. And that's, with guys. And that's why I'm selling. Yeah, and it's it's filled with guys that I like, but I don't like them that much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, no, no, we 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 were talking about this roster, and we were going through. I would like. Every single guy on this team on my own team, mm-hmm. except for Courtney Lee, but that's because <laughs> I have history with him. <laughs> that being said, none of these guys are guys you really want playing significant minutes. Like they have Dorian Finney-Smith playing twenty-eight minutes a game. They have Maxi Kleber playing twenty-seven minutes a game. I like Maxi Kleber and Dorian Finney-Smith in about eighteen minutes a game. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a lot of Dorian Finney-Smith. Facts. This is like having a fling for for the weekend and then getting into a relationship three weeks later. It's just like, <laughs> Delon Wright, I, I don't like you that much. I mean. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is uh, now KP and Luca are legit. They, I think they are an unstoppable duo, especially if they both continue to play this well. Luca this year averaging 29, 10, and 7. KP, 26, uh, 26, 6, and 3, and 3 mm-hmm. blocks. So they've both been fantastic. Oh, yeah. But the rest of their team, I don't really have that much faith in. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm, I'm selling fully, but just because of the, just the, the pure glut of good Western Conference teams, I, I still think no matter what, no matter how great KP and Luca are with this with this same roster because they obviously definitely have a trade to make. And they, plus, they and, have and a trade to make, get, and they're going to get Dwight Powell back. And Dwight Powell, I think, is a legitimate low end starting center. Yeah, he's not pushing you a, a seat up a seat in the playoffs. No, right? no, no. He's going to make it so Maxi <laughs> Kleber's not playing twenty seven minutes. Yeah, know? I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I think isn't isn't Boban on the Mavs this year? I don't think yeah, he's played yet. He hasn't played yet. No. Yeah, <laughs> but but no, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm selling but cautiously. Yeah, I'm I'm selling too. I love Luca and KP as I as I've said a million times. I think they're both going to be all stars this year, mm-hmm. but I just I don't love the rest of their roster still. But hey, I'm 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 totally here for a European duo. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Have we all had right. like a real European oh, yeah? duo in the NBA before? Um, not to this level. Shit, honestly, minus the skin color, this reminds me of Dirk and Nash way back with the Mavericks. Like I'm t- I don't know. There's a, there's a weird. Okay. I mean, talk about. I mean, wow. Yeah. This 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 duo is fantastic. Anyway, yeah. That's we already anyway. said that. On to the next one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're we're, we're both we're both selling, but cautiously. <laughs> yes. I think they're going to be a competitive team, just not a playoff team. Yeah. On to the next one, like Jay Z and Swiss Beats said in 2009. You know the vibes. The Let's Timberwolves are currently the number one seed in the NBA. Julian, are you buying or selling that we need to cancel the finals because Minnesota is guaranteed to win? <laughs> but in all seriousness, are you buying or selling that Minnesota is actually good? Um, I'm 
selling. I mean, here's okay. the thing. Alex has been fantastic so far. There's no doubt about that. He has been absolutely fantastic. However, two of the in two of the three, I believe, two of the three t- of the Timberwolves wins, Andrew Wiggins has been pretty good. He's been pretty good. Can I tell you and, that, that that the one out of those three was against the Nets? Yes. <laughs> Which I'll, I'll get to that game when I when I talk. All right, go yeah, ahead. I mean, actually, I want to touch on that game right now because okay. even though Wiggins almost single-handedly lost that game by the Timberwolves, the Nets kind of forced it upon them at the same time as far as Jared Allen missing two free throws in the last minute of the uh, of, of regular time. I don't know. How do I not remember the right word for that? Like in like uh the not the fourth quarter, but in regulation, regulation, Oh, okay. So, sounding analytical today. Um, ah. <laughs> 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 I'm still I'm already a level over Chris Weber. That's good. Um, that's that's hard. <laughs> anyway, uh, any anyway, yeah, um, yeah, Allen missed two late free throws. And there was just, like, weird shit in that game that, like, wouldn't, have, wouldn't happen on a regular night. Like, Travion Graham was, like, fantastic. Yep. Um, and, and just, just like, we, and the Nets missed a ton of free throws. Mm-hmm. Kyrie slipped before his last shot. Which there was, was just... wild that he yeah. still actually got a good look for that. Your new screensaver, I believe. Am I right? No, my new screensaver is, is John Morant blocking Kyrie <laughs> to lose the game. Oh man! But, okay. um, That's not actually my screensaver, but trust me, if that happens against the Celtics, that will be my screensaver, my lock screen, and my new Facebook profile picture. <laughs> I don't even go on Facebook. You gonna get it? It might be your first tattoo as well. <laughs> I'm gonna get tattooed on my back. <laughs> um, but yeah, finally, the thing with the Timberwolves is, yeah, it's it's one of those I'll believe it when I see it moments, like. Timberwolves have to do more than win three games for me to believe in them. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I look at the three games they won. It's against a Brooklyn team that, no offense, I don't. I picked the under for. I didn't think they were going to be that great this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, picking the under, so I mean, we'll, we'll see that at the end of the season. Yeah. But <laughs> um, against Charlotte, who we will get to later mm-hmm. in the Rogier report, as always, and against Miami without Jimmy Butler. So it three impressive wins, yes. Towns has been, prop. I mean, Towns has been the MVP so far this year, but I don't, I don't have faith in the Timberwolves. I look at Andrew Wiggins, and like you said, he has played two consecutive good games. Now, now I'm, I'm going to go back in our text because recently I texted you some fun Jeff Green numbers. Oh yes, 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 yes. And 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 you may be thinking, well, what does Jeff Green have to do with this? Andrew Wiggins is Jeff Green. Well, that's catfish Jeff Green to you. <laughs> and Jeff Green was notorious for having great games followed by bad games. Uh-huh. And so so Jeff Green had a stretch in the first 12 games of the, his first season, or sorry, second season with Boston, uh, where everyone thought, like, could he be an all-star? So he had, so he had a stretch of 16 points, then 19 points, 29, 8, 8, and 3. Then he had another stretch of 27, then 4, then 15, then 27, then 12, then 27, then 9, then 39, then 5, then 2, and then 12. He scored two points 
two games after scoring 39. This is the epitome of Catfish Jeff Green and Catfish Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> now, in the game against Brooklyn, which they won by one in overtime, Andrew Wiggins played 36 minutes, including the attempted game winner at the end of regulation, which, why even bother drawing up a play? Just, like, just send it to overtime if that's oh, what we're doing I, here. I forgot about that, that, how terrible that play was at the very I, end. Bet you any amount of money. I bet you any amount of money that that is not the play that Ryan Saunders drew up. It's more. I, I I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I already told you this once, Will, and I'm gonna tell you it twice. There's more. Le- it's more likely that that was the play that Ryan Saunders drew up than Norman Powell dribbling out the last That's eleven true. seconds of the clock to take a fadeaway ISO contested three against the Pelicans on opening That's night. There's, Andrew, there's, Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. That play might have been drawn up for him. Andrew I'm just Wiggins saying. played 36 <laughs> minutes that game. Andrew Wiggins played 36 minutes that game and was a minus 26, Mm -hmm. which means that in the 15 minutes that he didn't play, they were a plus 27 because there was also overtime. So he was a plus 20. They were a plus 27 in the 15 minutes he didn't play. Mm -hmm. That's just he took 27 shots in 36 minutes in a game where Carl Anthony Towns had 36 points. I don't really know what to say to that. I think that that's kind of just a fact that we should just like let sit there. There's yeah, no, really no here's, analysis needed. Here's, here's just... my philosophy. Here's my philosophy, and this is this is some analytical stuff right here. If you take more shots than points scored, stop shooting. And Andrew Wiggins had 27 shot attempts with 21 points, and he wants to talk about how he belongs in the top 100 of players. I'm moving on from the Timberwolves. I'm selling. I don't believe in this team. Carl Anthony Towns is great, but the rest of that roster is bad. Yeah, I mean, just I'm I'm really talking myself into like any like is is Jeff Teague a starting point guard now? No. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm like kind of with you. I would rather have I would rather start Drogic personally. Oh yeah, but Drogic's not on that team. Yeah, but like uh, you get the point as far as like what yeah. class of point guard he's in at this point in his career. I just Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague is the is the NFL equiv or the NBA equivalent of in the NFL Matt Moore. And Matt over- Moore, that's a deep dive. Wow. <laughs> Matt Moore is the backup quarterback for the Chiefs. He is an overqualified backup, but an underqualified starter. Mm. That is Jeff Teague. It's like Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Jackie Bradley Jr. at least is a good defensive player. Speaking of the Red Sox, if you have the second best player in baseball, Julian, do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea to get draft or to get uh, prospects? Oh man, you can get Brandon Nimmo. Will oh my god, yeah. Because if you can get if you can get Brandon, twenty seven year old league MVP Nimmo. I'm sorry, that's Mookie Betts. <laughs> anyway, and you know what? At this moment of recording, the World Series is still going on. So that is defending World Series champion Mookie Betts to you. <laughs> but until our new champion is crowned, oh, wow, Red wow, we're going to be counting down until the last pitch of the game. <laughs> I'm so. going to send you a Snapchat of uh, bottom of the ninth inning, two outs of tonight's game with the Astros <laughs> up twelve to one. And I'm just going to write, you know, the Red Sox are still champions. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, next team. Let's move on. <laughs> let's oh, let's man. move on. Andre Drummond has been maybe the most dominant player in the NBA to start this season. 
He's been like Hakeem Olajuwon for the first four games. I don't know what's happening. So are you buying or selling that this is who Drummond is this year? Um, this is honestly the hardest topic we've had yet. To yeah, the first three were pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, this is hard for me because Drummond's been doing work this year. And we were talking about this right before we started recording in that Drummond's a free agent this offseason. This is the contract yep. year of contract years for this guy, especially the fact that he might be the best free agent. Yep. Like, that's a fact. Like, Andre Drummond is the best free agent in the 2020 I mean, depend- class. Depending on your opinion of... uh of uh, Brandon Ingram, but yeah, I mean, Pascal Siakam, Jalen Brown, those were the other two kind of high-ranking guys. They both agreed to extensions. Michael K. Gilchrist. Ooh, that's a big one. He was the second pick in the draft. People <laughs> pe- people don't talk about that enough, that Michael K- Michael Kidd Gilchrist was the... Anyway. <laughs> could, you imagine, could you imagine if Charlotte had taken Bradley Beal? What, what a different world they'd be living in. I can't imagine MJ's own Charlotte... That is true. Stupid That's observation, true. Bill, no <laughs> That is true. Now, anyway, anyway, so, so back to Andre Drummond. Drummond. Andre Drummond this year is averaging 21 and 16 rebounds, two blocks, shooting 60% from the field. Oof. And 62% from, from the free throw line, which for him is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> In the perspective of things, yes, it is. Yeah. For me, Drummond... I'm I'm buying this a little bit because I've always liked Drummond some, especially because of the fact that I've, I kind of have a love and hate a love and hate relationship with him because he's tortured Jared Allen numerous times mm-hmm. just because of how big he is and what he can do down low. Yep. Um, I I I just want to see him in a team that like makes sense around him. Yeah, he's not like playing with Langston. Galloway and Derrick Rose, like for for yep. twenty minutes, like like I just want to see him on a good team. So I'm hoping I'm buying this with with goodwill towards Drummond that he can yep. get a good contract this offseason and get into a better situation that isn't part of the Pistons. Yep. Okay, so yeah, like, like you, I'm also buying this, which I hate that we're agreeing on everything. I was kind of hoping for some disagreements here. Yeah, that'll be later. Sh- the disagreements oh, there will be later. There will be later. <laughs> now. Now, the thing with Drummond is I'm absolutely buying this because never count out players who are about to get paid. Thanks. Now, there's some things with this Pistons roster that are not sustainable. Yes. Luke Kennard will not be scoring 18 points a game this entire season while shooting 48% from three points. That will be correct. Derrick Rose will not continue to shoot. 55% 55% from the field and score 22 points a game. Christian Wood will had 19 and 12 last night. Christian Wood will not be on this roster <laughs> in December. I still kind of like Christian Wood for whatever it's worth. Bruce Brown is shooting 50% from three points. These are not sustainable things. No, they're not. That's <laughs> So that's my fear with Andre Drummond, is that all these guys that are knocking down their threes, Tony Snell hitting 42%, Markeith Morris shooting 43% from three-point, once these guys start to miss, what happens? What happens when they can start packing the paint on Andre Drummond? And that's what I worry about. That being said, I'm absolutely buying this with Drummond. This dude's going to get paid. And he's just going to continue to be a monster because he right this season so far he's been the most physically dominant player. Uh-huh. 
and he's still only 26, and which he just turned crazy. 26. Which is crazy. Uh-huh. Trump Mount Vernon, by the way, New York, we are out here. 6'11", 280, still yes. big as hell. So I'm, so I'm, I'm picking, I, I would definitely say I'm buying Drummond, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting scenario. Yeah, for, for, for someone who's established, the jury's still out. Next up. Julian, are you buying or selling this uber small ball Celtics roster? Or sorry, this uber, uber Celtics uh, five-man closing lineup. Well, here's the thing. I've actually been watching, I think I've watched at least, I think I've watched most of the Celtics games this year. I might have missed one. However, because I've got Hulu, and Hulu's actually underrated. They've got some great shows there. Even though you have to watch it with ads and stuff, they've got Bernie Mac show, Everybody Hates Chris, all the episodes Hulu of Power. Plus? I, I don't know. I just have the Hulu thing. Yeah, because my mom, because we don't have TV anymore in uh, my house, yeah. so my mom like bought it so she can get the channel there. Oh, nice. Anyway, weirdly enough, I have NBC Sports Boston. Yeah, because so you're, Ma- you're based out of Massachusetts. Yeah, right now. So, so I, can, I can get all the Celtics games in HD, and I don't have to worry about going on illegal stream sites and worry about yep. how like porno ads pop up on my computer and I got to worry about <laughs> that happened to me pop-ups and that shit. happened to me while I was in one of my classes I put on the Celtics game in the background of my computer on like one of just like a no no I put on the uh Thursday night football game on the background of my computer and just immediately just pops up like porn and I'm like why do I even why do I even try to do this with, like, <laughs> with the sketchy streams now with this now with this Celtics roster I just their five man closing lineup of Jalen, Jason, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, and Kemba Walker. I am one hundred billion percent buying. <laughs> also, you swap in Grant Williams for Marcus Smart, and Grant Williams is just a bigger Marcus Smart. Oh, I'm shocked you didn't mention Grant Williams off rip. He's been fantastic. I'm now, really impressed from what I've seen. Do you, remember, you remember what I said about Grant Williams after we drafted him? My exact phrasing glowing. My exact phrasing was besides the fact that I was just already in awe about the fact that his mom is a NASA scientist and his dad was Prince's bodyguard. Oh wow. I didn't tell you that. I thought I said that on the podcast. No, I didn't. Oh. I don't know well, yeah. Prince songs actually. I don't understand it with Prince. I don't think he's that good. I'm sorry. I understand he's like famous and all that, but like eh. I, I can do without it. I'm sorry. Well, Anyway, anyway. <laughs> it, it, it's definitely it's definitely a cool it's definitely a cool backstory oh, about definitely. him. But definitely. what I said, I like smart parents always. What's that? I always, yeah. <laughs> I always yeah. like smart parents with NBA players. Yeah. So my feeling with Grant was this dude will never average over twelve points a game, but he is going to be in the league for about sixteen years, uh-huh. and we are going to look back at this year's draft class, and he will have played the longest. Because I swear to God, Grant Williams probably has the highest basketball IQ on the entire Celtics roster. Grant Williams built like an armored car. Grant Williams is a six foot six center. Like he is, he is, he is a beefier Chuck Hayes. Yeah. So no, I'm absolutely buying this Celtics small ball lineup. It's just awesome. They can switch everyone. Marcus is going to guard the center. And he's going to bother literally every non-Joel Embiid center. And it's, and it's awesome. It's awesome. I'm totally here on this on this team. Um, I'm, if, if you look at their stats, Kemba is shooting 40%. Uh, Tatum is shooting 34%. 
these numbers I feel like are a little misleading. Um, if you watch them play, Kemba has started every game off in the first half absolutely terrible. And especially that first game against uh, against Philly was just bad for him. Uh-huh. Um, but he's been turning it up in the second half. I mean, he scored, he dropped like 33 points against the Knicks the other night. Which, by the way, I was at that Knicks-Celtics game. And the loudest the Garden got the entire night was when Taco Fall checked in. As it should have been, of course. And that of was course. Still- My guy. By the way, I think RJ, RJ Barrett's legit. But, um, oh, he's been good. He's been good so far. Yeah. But I like so Tatum's shooting thirty four percent, and I don't have an issue with that. I like the shots he's taking. I feel like they're going to go in. He's not settling for mid range shots. The reason he's not shooting well is because he's trying to go to the hoop, but he's kind of doing it a little tentatively, just like he like he's doing it because he knows he should, not doing it with conviction. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's just going to improve as the year goes on when he gets more confident, just like in the fact that he's driving. I like the shots he's taken. He's been great. Hayward has been awesome. Uh-huh. Now, if you look at the stats, it's like, ah, whatever, like 16, 6, and 2. It's like, is that really a max player? I don't want to get into his contract. Hayward will never be able to really live up to that $33 million or whatever he's making. His body can't do that right now. Uh-huh. That being said, he's been great. He's got, he's got that first step back. He's looked good. He's not dunking it yet, but he's certainly getting that first step by players, which is a huge improvement for him. No, way, I, think, I think that Jalen has been the best player in the Celtics this year so far. Jalen Brown's an all-star this year. I said it I said it's it been fantastic. before the season. I'm going to say it now. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely in on Jalen. And, you know, the Celtics team, they're not going to win. They're obviously – I think they can, win a, they can win a playoff series, but – Nobody's if, saying that they're going to make the, the East Finals the or something same, like that. If Celtics had the same roster as, or sorry, the same exact record as last year, and and have the same exact postseason record as well. I will be so happy mm-hmm. because <laughs> I just love this year's team. There's yeah. not a single guy besides Cantor that I don't like. <laughs> Can't stand Cantor. Oh man, you will grow to like him. Trust me. No, I promise like I won't. I promise I won't. I don't. He can give me twenty and twenty one night, and I will still point out the fact that he was beaten on five pick and rolls. <laughs> Has this guy ever watched a defensive clip in his life? He is. Oh, I don't even want to get into Cantor, but yeah, the rest of this lineup, I'm totally buying. <laughs> I'm totally buying the rest of this lineup. Um. Tice has been good, even though he's only played two games. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that Carson, I, I think that Grant Williams is is a potential long term starting center. Yeah, and I think the thing with the Celtics is that I don't know if I'm going that far as far as long term starting center for Grant Williams, but I mean it's going to be interesting to see how oh, maybe they... not starter, maybe not starter, but long term yeah. center option. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's someone who can, who can play. You can you can come in guard three positions, play three different positions, and and he's someone you can put at the arc or down low a little bit and, and run some screens off of. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, like I was saying earlier, like the Celtics, I'm not predicting them to win more than one playoff series this year. But no, nobody's, just nobody's expecting them to. That's not a problem. And I think because when you're, when you're putting the Celtics against someone like the Sixers, obviously, who are the nightmare of nightmare matchups. The, right the Sixers now the are Celtics. the single worst possible matchup for uh-huh. the Celtics. And, and by the way, oh, by the way, though, by the way, I was asked the other day who I think what by the time we get to the playoffs, who I think the starting center for the Celtics will be. The answer is he's not currently on the roster. Mm, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. They've got to trade. So, we'll see what happens from there. 
Who are you? Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Who's on your short list? Thirty seconds. Your short list for centers for the Celtics. Um. Okay. So for a while, it was one of Miles Turner or wait, who I want or who I think we'll get. You do both. Who I want? I would want Joel Embiid or Jokic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but in a, but in actuality, I think that. Um, I think that Dwayne Dedman is someone that could be available. We'll get to the Kings later. Uh, and they're struggling this year. They could just cut ties pretty soon. I think that he's a solid option. He's not on a terrible contract. Um, I think that... Um, I think JaVale McGee is someone that could be available. Not that I'd want him. But just I think that he's someone that could be available. I mean, I mean JaVale McGee has never really been off the table, <laughs> off, the, off the trading block in his NBA career. I don't think well, we can say that. <laughs> I think the number one guy that I think could end up being available is, um, is, is Mason Plumley. And I like that. That's smart. That's a good. That's that's a good point. And the reason is, is because I think the Nuggets are going to look at their roster this year and be like, okay, Paul Millsap can play a little five. Um, which, by the way, I said it at the time. I love them picking up Paul Millsap's option. And I stand by it. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, Mason Plumley is in the last year of his deal. He's earning fourteen million dollars a year this year. I don't know how they can make it work with the money. But it's definitely it's definitely an option. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the next team that I want to get into for our buying and selling, our last buying or selling segment is not are they good, but are is Phoenix potentially slightly below average? Ah. Uh... I'm gonna, right? I think I, I think that was fair. I mean, Phoenix right now, they're two and two, and their two losses were both of one point. One was in OT against the Nuggets, one was yesterday, um, 96-95, they lost to the Jazz. I'm not and, and they put up 130 against the Clippers. That's why everybody is losing their mind on every ESPN debate show and whatnot about this the Suns team. And there's no questioning, I think, that the Suns do have they do have talent on this team as far as Kelly Oubre is someone I liked in the past, but I don't think he, I don't like him on this team and organization. Um, Booker, obviously. He won a game this year for Oubre. Yeah, double team Devin Booker. <laughs> it seems to be uh, <laughs> Mr. Anti Threesome Devin Booker. It seems to be, uh, I mean, well, yeah, obviously, one of the most talented shooting guards in the league. There's no doubt about that. Um, Aiton, now that he's suspended though, but. Um, Extremely talented. Next twenty-five games or so. That's a fact. Um, but I'm gonna. I'm. This is this is a C. I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Like the Timberwolves situation for me with the Suns. I mean, I will say, it's it. It definitely seems to have done wonders that they have like someone who's played point guard before. Yep. I mean. Yeah, I totally now <laughs> now Ricky Rubio, incredible overpay. I will never defend that contract. He is shooting 32% from the field this year. But I underestimated (laughs) the fact that Devin Booker hasn't been playing with someone that has ever played the point guard position before in the NBA. Yes. And Ricky Rubio is an average point guard. And yet he is the best point guard that Booker has played with in a long time. 
Mm-hmm. Probably ever, right? I believe he had a year of Drajek, right? He might have actually. Yeah, that's true. I believe he did. But anyway, regardless, my feelings with this with this team are skewed because Aiton going Aiton missing a ton of games is bad for him. Very bad. Kaminsky is doing a lot for them, and I don't like that. <laughs> that is not something that inspires me to believe. If Frank Kaminsky is playing almost 30 minutes a game for you, I'm going to be wary of your team. Yeah, it's the same thing with, like, everybody was losing their mind over Dwight Howard's game last night against the Hornets. Yeah. I mean, he was getting defended by, like, Cody Zeller and the Hornets. Like, yeah, I'm, so- I'm sorry. I'm not going to give Dwight that much credit for that. I'm sorry. Yeah, now... Here's the thing with Phoenix. They have adults in their locker room, which is something they have not had in a long time. Rubio, adult. Sarich, at least like a a four-year NBA player. Tyler Zeller has been around the block. Aaron Baines, who, by the way, um, this is very embarrassing. I watched a two-minute highlight video of Aaron Baines setting screens in Phoenix. (laughs) I was on Twitter and I just saw like like watch two minutes of Aaron Baines setting good screens and I was like, well, sign me up. And 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 it's true they haven't had. I mean, Aiton is not a fantastic screen setter. Booker has a guy that can set a legitimate screen. I mean, when I think of like good screen setters in the NBA, this is the stupidest thing I've, a conversation I've ever had in my life. When I think of good screen setters in the NBA. Guys like Al Horford, Aaron Baines, um, uh, Mason Plumley, those are like the first kind of guys that come to my mind. And he's never had a good screen setter before. It it's it makes a total difference if you're a guy that relies on them. You know, well, on the bright side, if Grace is ever looking to get you in the mood some night, we know oh a video for, for her to bring up. <laughs> it's just. Guys running into Aaron Baines and they're flying oh. off in different directions. It's fantastic. Oh my but, god! My but, favorite, <laughs> my favorite Aaron Baines highlight of all time was when it, it was it was last year and Aaron Baines set a screen and got smoked in the uh, below the belt region, mm-hmm. and he collapsed and literally just sat there and screamed at his at at his at his at his dick, <laughs> like he just yelled at his dick and then just got right up. <laughs> and that's my favorite Aaron Baines thing that's ever happened. Oh, I, I love, love Aaron I, I love Aaron Baines. Oh, he's fantastic. I, really I thought he was going to be terrible when he first came into the league. He's fantastic. Really oh, I, I agree. This year. And that's the other reason why I don't believe in this Phoenix team, because you know James Jones is going to just buy out Aaron Baines for no reason. I mean, why would why would you want to like trade Aaron Baines for something in return? Like, that doesn't no, make sense. No, why would you get an asset in return when you can get nothing and help exactly. someone else? Exactly. Giving. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So bottom line. Bottom line with this Phoenix team, I am, I'm buying that they can be a scrappy, slightly below average, eleventh, twelfth seed in the NBA or in in the West. You know what? No, no. Thirteen. Oh, geez. Now I'm getting really low. Twelfth seed in the NBA. I'm buying that they can be a slightly below average twelfth seed. Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm. The I'm bar's buying, really low for them. I'm selling that they're good, and well, they're I'm not buying they're that not. they're. I'm selling that they're good, but I'm buying that they can be feisty and and steal some games. Yep. Yep. Okay. Next segment. 
panic button. Let's start off with the Warriors. They're one and two. They're a very uninspiring one and two. A very uninspiring one and two. Very uninspiring one and two. They got absolutely destroyed their first two games. In fact, not just destroyed, but the worst point differential ever for a team that is coming off a finals appearance. Ever. In NBA history. Julian, are you hitting the panic meter? Or are you hitting the panic button? Excuse me. Panic meters for Kyrie. <laughs> gotta, gotta hit yourself, Will. <laughs> I got all excited. Let's talk about Kyrie in China. Um, <laughs> Julian, are you hitting the panic button if you're Golden State? Not yet, no. I agree. But the thing with Golden State is, and we're going to be talking about infrastructure, I already know, in, in probably about 10 minutes or so. But that's what old Golden State has. They have a culture in this organization. They've got a damn good coach. They've got someone who I still think is going to be an MVP candidate this year. Um, and even though when you look down this roster, it's 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 really it's it's semi disturbing. Some of the people that like are playing minutes, like no disrespect to Kai Bowman, but I I, I would think that like I know basketball pretty well. Will is that a fair assessment? I would say it's a pretty fair assessment. I have no idea who the fuck Kai, Kai Bowman is. Like, can I can I say this? Can I say the single biggest problem with the Warriors roster right now? Mm-hmm. Who is third in shot attempts for them without looking? It's got to be Draymond, right? No, it's Jordan Poole, who is third in shots per game with eleven while shooting twenty two percent. That's that's problematic, you know. Got to get. They, Throw the ball, boy. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, Kerr. Let's do it. They really need someone. They need a wing. They need a wing. Knock, knock, Jay Crowder. And they need someone that can just occupy minutes at the three spot. The reason I'm not hitting the panic button yet for them is because their two centers have played a combined 10 minutes this season. Gavon Looney played last game for 10 minutes. And the game and Willie Colley Stein is yet to play a single minute. Is is Willie Colley Stein and and Kevon Looney the answer? Absolutely not. But it offers them a little bit more stability on their front line. The way Curry's been playing this year, I haven't been a fan of. He was my MVP pick, but Curry so far this year as, is playing as if he still has KD and Clay Thompson next to him. Mm-hmm. I haven't. He hasn't had any point this year where he's like. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm like the second best point guard of all time. Let me take this shit over. He's, he needs to be like, bitch, I'm Steph Curry. That's what he needs to he's do. Shooting, he's shooting 27% from three. He's getting double teamed a lot. I just, I feel like, I feel like that they're not, they don't need to hit the panic button yet. And the reason is just simply because they just need to figure out what to do with D'Angelo Russell and how to use him right. When D'Angelo Russell hits a few more shots and doesn't shoot 38% from the field, that's going to open up their floor. Because right now, there's just not a lot to guard on offense. Mm -hmm. I'm not panicking yet. I'm not panicking yet. I'm trusting the infrastructure. infrastructure. I'm trusting the fact that that Curry is a top five guy in the league. And I'm trusting that D'Angelo Russell is going to shoot better than 38%. I would certainly hope so. I'm with you on this, Will. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm, my, trusting my hands... the fact that, I'm trusting the fact that Jordan Poole will not be their third most shots per game 
in week two. Yeah, I mean, I will say Damian Lee was fantastic last night against the Pelicans. Um, I'm not sure he was who he was getting defended by, but um, <laughs> uh, maybe JJ Redick at the best. <laughs> but um, uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm, my my hand is like it's it's my my eyes are eyeing the panic button from a distance. Oh but yeah, no, no. We I'm, are I'm aware nearly, of where I'm the panic nearly. button is in the room. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm scoping out. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got my hands it roaming in front of me. You know, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I feel you like I'm describing like, a blind person right, right now. Right now, really right now the panic button. Right now, the panic button is when you're sitting, you're sitting in a movie theater, and it's like, please make note of where all emergency exit doors are. <laughs> and like, okay. I'm aware of where the panic button is. That's good to know in case. That's where I'm at with Golden State. Have you ever sat in a movie theater and been like, hey, yo, exit's over there. I'm definitely going for that one if, if there's like a fire or something. I don't want to I don't want to admit that my answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yo, I'm dead. Yeah. About that kind of stuff. I'm so sometimes. Imagine telling that telling that to someone on a date. Like, hey, we're going that. We're going there. If, if anything, <laughs> if shit pops off here. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Golden State not panicking yet, but I'm aware of where the panic button is. Definitely. Although, last thing with last thing with Golden State, I want to play with the trade machine a little bit and find out a good D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota for Robert Covington and a few more bench pieces kind of trade. Oh boy, they could use they. Oh, Robert Covington, what a fantastic fit that would be on this. Because Warriors. right now, the, right now the Warriors are the worst defense in the league, and I just I want to I want I want to play around with that. You know, mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a half baked take. Mm-hmm. It's like a, let's just think about what we can do. Yeah. All right. Next team that we want to get to in terms of the panic button, the Indiana Pacers. They're zero and three. Julian, are you panicking? Uh, I'm not panicking, Will. I'm stomping on this button. I'm sitting on it. I'm throwing <laughs> things at it for for any. <laughs> I'm doing anything for this button to decrease in its level, so that <laughs> lights are blinking and there are loud noises everywhere. Yes, I am. I am pressing the shit out of the panic button for the Pacers <laughs> team. I mean, going into the season, we all know that it's we're we're waiting for Oladipo to come back. Hopefully, you know. I don't know if this is a two-year injury for him. Everybody's wishing him the best to, to come back as, as, as great as he previously was when he comes back from this injury. Yep. But, I mean, the Pacers' front line hasn't been bad so far. I mean, Sabonis has put up some points. Miles Turner has scored pretty well. Brogdon hasn't been bad. He had 15-11-8 yesterday against the Pistons. Um, Brogdon played really well in their second game. Uh-huh. And, I mean, yeah, he's been pretty good. However, the Pistons bench right now, which which is which is constituted of Justin Holiday, who we like, yep. Doug McDermott, TJ McConnell, and TJ Leaf. Here's the thing, Will. We both like Justin Holiday. Do we not? Uh, I do. I do. I don't want. I don't want him as a seventh man nope. on my team. I don't want nope. him as a seventh man on my team. Can I? I can not. I say my biggest issue with Indiana? Mm-hmm. They have three guys named TJ. It's a problem. <laughs> I have no reason for that to be a problem, but I'm concerned about that. <laughs> TJ is not a basketball player name. TJ's not, what type of a name is TJ? TJ. I think that's is that like a frat type of name? 
Kind of, yeah. I don't even... TJ. Hey, TJ, dude. Want to get some fucking cores late? The first thing I thought of with TJ was 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 sketchy drug dealer. <laughs> sketchy drug dealer. But... Pittsfield? As, 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 a, as opposed to a respectable drug dealer. <laughs> anyway... Anyway, with with uh, with Indiana, I can't. Okay, here is our first disagreement. I'm not panicking quite yet. Okay. Things are bad. Things are bad. And like the Warriors, I know where the panic button is in the room. In fact, I'm not only aware of where the panic button is. I have moved my seat closer, and I have lifted up, lifted off the um, the casing. Of the panic button. Well, the Pacers gave up Miles Turner. Excuse me, Miles Turner and Sabonis gave up twenty-five and thirteen to Tristan oh, Thompson the other night. And, and they gave up, and they gave up like thirty and twenty-three or something to Drummond. I'm aware. Thirty-two and twenty-three. Yes. Yeah. So my fear with the Pacers, or, or, or the problem with the Pacers right now is they rank twenty-sixth in defense. They're giving up one hundred and eleven points a game. Nate McMillan is kind of a defensive-minded coach. They have Miles Turner, who is a is a pretty good uh, defensive big, and I just have faith that they're going to be able to figure it around or, or figure it out. I again, I don't like the fit of Turner and Sabonis next to each other. Uh-huh. Something has got to change there, uh, because I don't think that either of them can really defend a four that well. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And just and because the Pacers just paid Sabonis, I would assume if they have to part with one of them this year, it would definitely be Turner, right? Yeah, I mean, and Sabonis this year has been fantastic. Uh-huh. I mean, he's averaging twenty one and eleven. Uh-huh. But Turner's been good too, seventeen and eight. It just the the the, the problem the problem is just simply they don't have without Oladipo anyone that they can say here's the ball go score. Exactly. And With, if, if you think and about remember, it, remember when when Oladipo went out, they were they relied on Bojanovic. Uh-huh. He's not here either. And I feel like we, uh, I think I told you this earlier this week. I think they missed Thad Young too, and I just completely forgot that they that they lost him in the offseason. They I do mean, they, because Thad Young, Thad Young was the guy that could defend a four. Uh-huh. And Thad Young was also just just a grizzled veteran. The, Thad Young has seen a lot in the NBA from the from Iggy on the Sixers and mm-hmm. the Nets and you know he's he's been around the block. But Minnesota. Um, Thad Young's gonna be a commentator someday. That's a fact. He's gonna he's gonna be a he's gonna be on the jump on ESPN or something <laughs> like that, I think. But I think like yeah, like what we were saying is I think personally the, the Pacers just A, they don't have enough scoring, and B, there's just not enough players I would want like playing minutes in an NBA game for me. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't want TJ Leaf playing twelve minutes for me. I'm sorry. I don't want him like, on my don't. team. <laughs> the reason I'm not hitting the panic button is because I don't know what they were expecting out of their team without Oladipo. It's a good point. And once Oladipo comes back, that's how we can really tell what's going on. But until then, is Owen three good? Absolutely not. And I didn't think they'd be this bad. I thought at this point they'd be one and two or two and one. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see our, what happens later in the year. And leading into our next topic, tomorrow night, recording this on a Tuesday night, Pacers versus Nets in Brooklyn. That's a big game for both teams. Yes, it is. 
But our next team right here is the Sacramento Kings. Uh-huh. And are we hitting the panic button with them? They're 0-4. Ooh. I'm going to go first here, Julian. Do it. I have taken a mallet, and I have smashed the panic button so hard that I've had to go to the store to buy a new panic button. <laughs> I, if I am the Sacramento Kings, I am freaking the fuck out. <laughs> Especially because Bagley is missing the next four to six weeks with a fractured thumb. Which, by the way, it's an, when you fracture a, a finger or something like that, yeah, you can come back and resume basketball activities, but your shot is still not going to be great for a while because your finger isn't just back to normal. So really, he's he'll be back on the court in four to six weeks, but he, he's not going to be great for seven weeks. I can see all your, your research on Romeo Langford is paying off. <laughs> I'm going to call it as it is. I forgot he was on the Celtics. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> uh, up until you said that, you, you said Romeo Langford. I'm like, Romeo. Oh, Langford. <laughs> I forgot about him until I saw that uh, Bill Simmons tweet with his dad. His dad <laughs> said, oh, nice outfit from behind the bench. Where's Romeo Langford? <laughs> that was oh hilarious. God. Will, now, you, you're not inspired by Harrison Barnes' seven-point performance against Utah the other night? <laughs> I'm not inspired by a single guy on this roster. Now, now I, I said a lot about this roster in the offseason, just about how they spent their money. But I thought that the roster they built was at least decent. And I even picked De'Aaron Fox as a potential most improved player. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something, Julian. He's not been the most improved player. Not yet. Him and him and him and, and Buddy Dollar Signs healed. <laughs> but Buddy Buddy uh, Money Manzel healed have just been terrible, especially Buddy. And. I don't. Oh, and Bogdanovich has been terrible. That's right. I forgot him. I forgot about him. He's shooting twenty eight percent too. There's a lot wrong with this team. I don't like the system they're running with Luke Walton. I think a big part of their success, as we have learned now, was their coach, uh-huh. and just kicking him to the curb after a good season. Because now, now Dave Yeager has had a history of fighting with front offices, so I'm going to give Vladdy the benefit of the doubt here because he also fought with Memphis. Uh-huh. And say what you want about the Memphis front office and the Sacramento front office. You can't fight with them. And he did. And I don't fully blame them for firing him if, they, if he was fighting. But a big part of their success was the system they were running. Yeah, keeping your mouth shut with, with, when Chris Wallace is your boss <laughs> can't be fun. Here's the biggest difference <laughs> with the Sacramento Kings from last year to this year. This year, they ranked 24th in the NBA in pace. Oh, that's bad from last year. Oh, shit, Last year's bad. ranked 5th. Yep, that To makes me, sense. that's what it comes down to. I don't like the system that Luke Walton is running. I have broken a panic button. I am panicking so much with this team. And the player that I feel like is the most important player for them to succeed in Marvin Bagley is hurt. I'm, I'm with sure. you more than I'm not on. Uh, Will, I'm with you on this. This, not only did I, I think that all of your points were succinct, they were concise, they were perfect, and I don't oh, really have anything, <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about this other than two things. For the, we, we may have brought this up a bunch of, uh, amongst each other going on maybe like 15 times at this point, but, well, how much is Trey Burke getting paid? 
Oh, um, about one eighth of what Corey Joseph is getting paid. <laughs> I rest my case. Nothing. <laughs> that's point number one is done. Point number two. When the Kings had Harrison Barnes last year, they had a losing record, and they their pace diminished, and they were not nearly the team that they were in the first half or the first two thirds of the season. Traded, or whatnot. When they traded for Harrison Barnes, I defended the trade because. Yes, because I thought that he could potentially be a, a good... Harrison Barnes is a very respected player. Especially in the locker room and whatnot. Yes, you're yeah. right. And so honestly, I, thought, I thought that adding that guy, who's also young enough that he fits with the timeline of this team, who can shoot threes, he can attack off the dribble. I, I didn't think that he'd be a star in Sacramento, but I thought it was a good, worthwhile investment. And I even defended when he, for some reason, declined his player option... I defended them wanting to bring him back. But I did not defend them bringing him back for that much money. Yes, I was with you on the trade, and I'm, I'm with you on the contract, too. I understand bringing him back, but like 20, what's he getting paid? Like 25 a year now? The only defense that I the give fuck? that I give Lade is that Harrison Barnes is on a declining contract. So each year he's going to earn less rather than more. Yep, that is a fact. That is which, a is, fact. which is, so by the, by the last year of this contract... It might be kind of a good deal for him. This year he's making 24, next year 22, then 20, and then 18. Mm-hmm. So by the time he's making 18, that's probably going to be a decent contract for Harrison Barnes. Yeah, but that's like that's a few years from now. <laughs> but right now he's making $24 million, which, yeah. 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 But enough, I, I, have, I have nothing else to say on the Kings. All right. So let's get into our audience requested segment our fan favorite segments brought to you by other side clothing you want to start off with the Kyrie panic meter or the Rogier report Kyrie panic meter let's do it well let's go all in to the Kyrie panic meter do you want me to set the stage or you got it I'll I'll set the stage real quick all right I'm gonna give us I'm gonna give the audience our new listenership shout out to the scores hive I'm gonna give them the intro and then you hit them with the facts and whatnot Okay. So, for those who are new to the podcast or need their memory refreshed, <laughs> Will being a Celtics fan that was scorned by the wrath and bullshit of Kyrie, and me as a Brooklyn fan who now has him on my team every day, every week. Honestly, I do it every day in my head as well. We grade panic <laughs> or happiness with Kyrie on my team on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being get this man the fuck out of Brooklyn. Okay. That was cinematic, and- was it not? Honestly, that was really well done. I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, am I watching like a movie trailer? Like, what's going on? This is this is fantastic. Free, free. Now, now, as we as we know, by the end of Kyrie's tenure in Boston, if ten was being, I have personally funded an airport for Kyrie to get out. <laughs> I was at about a twenty nine. <laughs> um, yeah. And and it's funny. Now, now I'm going to quote Bill Simmons here, or, or at least paraphrase him here, because this is spot on. I thought that when Kyrie left Boston, I would I would I would be happy and like whatever. It didn't work out. Everyone is happy. The Celtics didn't try to to get him back. He didn't want to come back. It was a it was a hardcore mutual parting. I don't think a single fan would have been would have been thrilled if he came back. I probably would have become like a Charlotte fan. <laughs> now, actually, I would have become a Nets fan because the Nets were my second favorite team. But now, I'm not there. 
I watch Kyrie play, and all I want is for is for that team to lose. Oh man, it's sad. It's sad. It's, it's sad. sad because it's sad because you know I liked the Nets. Uh-huh. It's sad because you know I liked going to Nets games. I liked supporting that team. I'm I live in Brooklyn. That is my local team. I was all in for them. I was hoping they were going to be good. I was happy when they got KD. But I can't support Kyrie. So let's Man. read some excerpts from Jackie McMullen, a very well-respected ESPN reporter. I loved I love Jackie. Jackie McMullen, she's the, she's the best. I'm going to read a few a few excerpts here. Let's do it. When Kyrie lapses into these funks, he often shuts down, unwilling to communicate with the coaching staff, front office, and even his teammates. The Nets team source says that one such episode occurred during Brooklyn's trip to China, leaving everyone scratching their head as to what perpetrated it. <laughs> the next quote... Kyrie's infamous mood swings, confirmed by his ex-teammates, which followed him from Duke to Cleveland to Boston to Brooklyn, are the unspoken concern, which makes, quote, Nets officials queasy. When Kyrie lapses into these funks, blah, 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 I just read that part. And then KD says that when presented with the scenario, he will be off. He will be hands off. I look at Kyrie as someone who is an artist, Durant says. You have to leave him alone. You know what he's going to bring to the table every night because he cares so much about the game. So there goes the whole Durant will keep this under. Durant will fix this all. Well, I'll get, I'll get to that and later. Then my get to favorite, later. And then my favorite part of the entire thing. There has, there has already been leeway to allow Kyrie to march to his own drum. The Nets were willing to look past moments like a photo shoot at the Pearl TV Tower in China. When Kyrie refused to remove his hat, which, by the way, was an Illuminati dad hat, <laughs> and instructed Nets officials to just Photoshop the hat off of him. They, the Nets instead want to focus on the bigger issues of, of sharing the ball and maintaining good team chemistry. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like That's what I like to hear. Now, Julian, 10 being the maximum panic, where are you? This week, well, I'm at a 6.5. Whoa! I told you I would surprise you, Said I told you, I told you. Okay. Also, can, also I, I need to mention, there was also a video recently of the, uh, the Nets game against Memphis where Kyrie was in a huddle with his guys and he was already yelling and everyone was just tuning him out. Okay, that was, that's, that's, that's a misconception. Dinwiddie, I think, was looking at the scoreboard. I don't think he was tuning him out. Dinwiddie was not looking at the scoreboard for 18 seconds. I think he was. I How hard did to read the scoreboard? It's a Jumbotron. Jumbo! <laughs> Dinwiddie looks like he might have glasses in his spare time. So he can wear contacts during the game? No, I'm not, I'm, I don't care about that video because I, I think that I, I don't really get swayed by those, like, five-second clips. We, we talked about earlier with, like, Russ and Harden. Like, we weren't concerned about that. I'm not really – I'm not, not focusing on that video clip either. Okay. So and, and, hey, if, Ky- if Kyrie was annoyed with his team, I'm not – I mean, he should be annoyed at himself a little bit. But, however, the Nets should have won that game against Memphis and that game against the Timberwolves. So, I, and, and the Nets' one and two record right now isn't really, like – I mean, yeah, it's technically one and two, but, like – those two losses could have gone either way. It really should have gone the Nets' way. They just kind of had some bad luck, like the like uh, two Jared Allen missed free throws and two Wiggins layups in overtime and Kyrie slipping 
and Jay Crowder choosing now to hit a pull-up three. As a Celtics fan, there was something very cathartic about <laughs> watching the Isaiah Thomas era Jay Crowder al- or, or beat the Kyrie era Kyrie <laughs> at the buzzer. I didn't love Jay Crowder when he was in Boston, um, but that was very cathartic for me. It felt like one era knocking out another. Yeah. I mean, for I'm gonna give you I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down for you real quick. The reason why my my panic meter is at a six point five with the potential with just like one more concerning video or story to be at a seven. Only like, a point five? Six point five right now. This is why. But another video would only make it up to a seven. Yeah, we'll make it up to a seven because we're still well, it's still three games into the season. It's three games into and the season. And all this has happened already. Here's the here's the thing. Let me just let me break it down real quick. I trust the Nets' infrastructure. I trust the Nets' infrastructure. A team with a fantastic culture, a great organization, a great GM. And here's the thing. Sean Marks isn't stupid. The Nets aren't stupid. They knew this was coming. They made, I mean, you, you said that there were a few people in the organization who, who weren't sure about the move in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I think that it's, it's kind of crazy just to question the correctness of the Kyrie move no matter what. Even if Kyrie's a complete shit show, I mean, that you still make that move 10 times out of 10, I think. But anyway, um, the, the Marks, Marks and the Nets knew this was coming. I'm sure that this Kyrie report would have gone out maybe if the Nets had a midseason slump in a few months from now. Mm-hmm. This, these Kyrie reports were going to come out at some point. That doesn't surprise me. And personally, Marks was, and in, in kind of what I was going back to earlier, the Nets prepared for this. Kyrie isn't the only person on his team that's um let me rephrase that. Kyrie has friends oh on God. his team. He has he has friends on his team that the Nets the Nets the, the Nets knew this was coming so they gave him friends on his team and they gave and they made sure to pick pick up sound veterans and leadership presences like, And they gave um, him a flat Garrett earth, earth truther. Right exactly. Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler, the, the one of the only other flat earth guys in the NBA. By the way, Wilson Chandler, you know, you got you to gotta liven up your mans a little bit right now, you know, give him some nice, you know, anti, uh, pro, uh, wait, I was going to say anti-climate change or pro-climate change journalism for, for Kyrie and his flat we earthers. Don't, we, 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 we don't know his climate change. The opinion, flat earthers but... believe in climate change? That's a good question. That's a good question. Someone should ask, someone ask, someone should ask Kyrie what government means to him. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, so but anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this is the reasoning by, behind putting Kyrie with his friends so he can be less weird and moody. And with with the culture and infrastructure, I I'm I'm only at a six point five right now. That's that's what I have to okay. say. And also, real quick, the Nets' offense has been fantastic so far. Kyrie's had great chemistry with the guys. Karis Levert has been fantastic. It's been fantastic. I like what I've seen from Torian Prince. For what it's worth, uh, DeAndre's actually been pretty good. Uh, yep. Joe Harris making threes, doing what he's look good. Let's just got to figure out how to play defense with this yeah. new, new team and whatnot. So Next, as, you know, Will, the floor is yours. So as I told you about, I've, I've texted you this, uh, Julian, but I'm going to say it out loud for the viewers, or for the listeners, excuse me, not, they're not viewing anything. But if you look at the Nets last year mm-hmm. and look at who their best defensive players were, None of them are still on the team. And for all of for all of the issues 
surrounding like surrounding the Nets last year. These were their or sorry, I sorry, not issues. For all of the um lack of, I guess, big name talent the Nets had last year, the fact is their defensive guys are all gone. Their best defensive players last year were Jared Allen, who's still there. Uh-huh. But then Ed Davis, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, I'm reading in order of their of their defensive rating. Uh Ed Davis, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Jared Dudley, Kurooks, who is there. Uh-huh. My guy. Travion Graham, Damari Carroll, Levert, D'Angelo Russell. So, I don't know how many guys they just named, but like eight out of those ten, if that's how many it was, all but two of them are gone. Mm -hmm. In fact, out of guys that posted a positive defensive rating, only Jared Allen is back on this team. And I will I will say real quick that one of those places gets filled by David Nwaba. Okay, because so he's one. I mean he's he's quite a good defender. And honestly, going off of what you just said, he's gotta he's gotta get some minutes right now. I mean, this is right now where we're gonna see. We were talking about this the other day over text. Kenny Atkinson, out of my seven tiers of coaches, is definitely in the in the upper echelon of. We know he's good. We know he's a good coach right now. Now we're about to find out just how good he is because the Nets this is, don't. This is this is the year we find out if he's a good rebuilding coach or if he's a good coach. I agree with that as far as all the personalities he's obviously having to juggle. But but going back to defense, the Nets need to figure out how to defend really well as a team. The Nets aren't the effort isn't the problem with the Nets on defense. It's literally just that they have guys like Joe Harris and Dinwiddie who just aren't that athletic. Like, if Dinwiddie was more athletic, he's not just a starting point guard. He, he might even be, like, all-star level. I think that, in same, not, not the same thing with Joe Harris, but Joe Harris tries. He's just not, he's just not athletic, really. So, and I, as long as the Nets keep hustling, and I think when, when you're dealing with a bunch of new players, chemistry can take a while to build, obviously. However... I think that that's do need to make a move for another uh, another defensive wing, just just someone who can you know who can throw you can throw them out there and they can play good perimeter defense. Even if it's someone like Shumpert, I know he's not yeah. great on offense, but just someone like that. I my think concern wonders for the team. My concern with the Nets is, is everyone keeps saying culture, culture, culture. Your culture does not carry over year to year. You have to reestablish a new culture every year. This is from the Church of Bill Belichick, who is probably the best culture guy in all of sports in terms of instituting his system. Every year you have to reestablish your culture. And the way to do that, and this is the same way Popovich did it, it's the same way that it's the same way that every great team has to do it. No one is above the law, uh-huh. basically. And stuff like Kyrie not taking off his hat is minor, but those things add up in the minds of players of why are we being held to a different standard than this guy? And that's how culture gets destroyed, is when guys start to get treated with preferential treatment if you look at the when the warriors 
Warriors started to kind of not be the Warriors, it was when Steve Kerr started to give Draymond a lot of leeway. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff matters. Culture is determined based on, I mean, the Celtics had a fantastic culture before they got Kyrie. But you heard Marcus Morris say it the uh, before the Celtics-Knicks game. When the Celtics team, the Celtics were great in the year where Kyrie got hurt because everyone was treated the same. The year where Kyrie was there all year, it became everything is catered to Kyrie. And the players took note of that, and that's when the fighting started. Kyrie is not LeBron-level talent. When you have LeBron-level talent, you can make it all about LeBron because LeBron is that good. So that's my concern with the Nets. No, that's, that's completely fair. I'm just... And, and I agree with that, obviously, more than I don't. I'm just, I'm just putting the ball in my trust in Marks and Atkinson's hands right now. So no, that's fair. My, that's my fair. trust has been there this point, to, to this point. They made this culture, so hopefully they know what to do with it. That's, that's all I have to say about that. You know? No, but that's totally just, fair. And we'll, and we'll be able to see as the year goes on what actually happens with this team. And if it comes down to it of Kyrie Irving... Does a if Kyrie Irving ends up fighting with Kenny Atkinson the same way he's fought with every other coach he's had in his career? He's on a four-year deal. Who do you choose, Kyrie or Kenny? Because Kyrie and Brad did not get along, and if the Celtics were going to cater to Kyrie and have him back, they were going to have to probably get rid of Brad Stevens. Well, here's what you can do: you can trade Kyrie, keep Kenny, get KD back. You're good. <laughs> you got my because that's why. I'm so happy about my boy Karis LeVert looking fantastic this year. He's been great. He's I, I, I he's really been fantastic. like LeVert. I really yeah. like LeVert. He's, he's showing right now his potential that he can be the second guy on a contender. He really can be. I love what I'm seeing from him. I, I agree. Do, um, all right. Let's get into our very last topic. Mm-hmm. The Rogier Report. <laughs> so I'll, I'll introduce this topic. Terry Rogier. Uh, played in the Boston Celtics for four years, and for four years I got to watch him chuck up mid-range jump shots with 19 seconds left in the shot clock. To my glee, that is. <laughs> <laughs> now, Terry Rozier had a what most people deem to be successful playoff run two years ago, or as I look at it, he shot 32%. Can we all calm down? <laughs> in a reward for Terry Rozier being... A train wreck last year? Charlotte decided that they wanted to give him around $20 million a year over the next three years. As a... Now, I credit Charlotte for getting something in return for Kemba. But are you really going to tell me that Terry Rozier... That Kemba Walker is only worth, in their mind, $5 million more a year than Terry Rozier? Based on what they offered each guy in free agency? Well, he so, might be. The Hornets are just fucking dumb. <laughs> you think, really? You think that Kemba Walker is only worth $5 million more million than Rogier? Do I? Yeah. No. Oh, I, okay. I, I just said Sean's oh, oh, stupid. Oh, oh, I misunderstood. Like, <laughs> I misunderstood. So let's get into the Rogier report because as a Celtics fan that had to watch him for four years, I take glee in the fact that another team now gets to watch him and it's not my own. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Terry Rozier's first four games of the year. I'm going to start off with his plus minus. In 
in the first game of the year, Charlotte won by one. Terry Rozier, 30 minutes a game. 30 minutes in that game was a minus 18. <laughs> he shot two of 10 <laughs> with four turnovers. Good in Lord. The, in the next game, I'll give it to him. He was a plus one. They lost by 22. He only played 17 minutes that game. Why did he only play 17 minutes? Honestly, I don't actually know because he had 10 assists. He was moving the ball well. Only two turnovers. Probably his best game of the year. Uh-huh. In the same way how I, how I will critique Terry Rozier, I will give him credit. 10 assists is pretty damn good. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yep. In the next game, he was a minus 7. He shot 6 of 14. Not terrible. 3 uh-huh. of 10 from 3 points. Bad. <laughs> in the most recent game, he was a minus 26 in 34 minutes in the game they lost by 15, <laughs> which means that they were a plus 11 in those eight minutes he was not in the game. Oh, minus or, sorry, sorry, excuse me, excuse me he, in the 12 minutes he was not in the game. I just well, want to see, like... I do math. But he shot in that game 7 of 17, not great. Five turnovers, not great. He's just, his his shot selection hasn't really improved. Actually, speaking of shot selection, I want to quickly shout out Dennis Smith Jr. against the Nets for uh, <laughs> having a wide-open wing three-pointer. And when I say wide-open, I mean the nearest defender was back at MSG. <laughs> and he had a wide-open three-pointer and took one dribble in to step on the three-point line and then brick the jump shot. Dennis Smith has been comical, to say the least, in the first three games of the NBA say- season. I have to say, I actually feel bad for him. Um, Dennis Smith has not been great this year. And by that, he's actually been really bad this year. <laughs> he's been really bad this year. Now, you know, he just had a close family member die. His stepmother just died. Mm. Which means he's going through a lot. Yeah. And it's not easy to go through that in, the, in, in a cold stretch in his career. And probably the coldest stretch of his career. Having and like I said, I've 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 been to the few Knicks games this year. I was at the uh, Knicks Celtics game. The entire crowd booed every time he touched the ball and chanted, "We want Frank." <laughs> so I have to admit, I feel bad for him mm-hmm. because I don't have. I'm not the highest on Dennis Smith Jr. to begin with, but he uh. is an impossible to succeed situation right now. Yeah, that's tough. So I hope he gets traded. I'd like to I'd like to give him one more chance where he's not having we want Frank chanted at him in his fourth game of the season, third game uh-huh. of the season at that point. So we'll see. But back to Rogier. Yeah. Back to Rogier. Um a minus twenty six in the last game, and he's earning twenty million dollars a year. He's almost earning one million dollar for every minus he is. <laughs> That's where I'm gonna conclude on this episode of the Rogier Report. It's just fun to touch on his stats a little bit. He's got Definitely. a lot of turnovers. He's got a pretty, he's only been a plus plus minus in one game this season where he was a plus one. I want to see Rozier and Wiggins on the same team together so they can both nope. have like a, a minus 37 <laughs> at the same time. It'd be really fantastic. Somehow Rozier and Wiggins each play 40 minutes. They're each a minus 35 and they lose by seven. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up there. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the scores table. This is a fun episode. First week of the season is always crazy. Nothing makes sense. Yep. So, shout out to Cat- Catfish, shout out to Catfish Jeff Green, <laughs> the legend, the first week legend. 
Yeah, Mike Conley's been struggling for Utah, but hey, at least they got Jeff Green to win them a random game in, in <laughs> January. Yeah. <laughs> Where everyone goes, uh, did Jeff Green just drop 68 points? <laughs> Checks the stats. That might actually happen. <laughs> Would it shock you if Jeff Green scored 40 points in a game this year, followed by the next game where he's a DNP coach's decision? <laughs> It would more shock me if that doesn't happen. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> waiting on that, honestly. Jesus if Christ. You, if you enjoyed, uh, we appreciate a good review, a comment, subscribe. We really appreciate it. Um, if you guys want more Mookie Betts talk, just let me know. I have, I have pages of this. Um, <laughs> pages? <laughs> I have pages of reasons it's stupid to trade the second best player in baseball in his prime over money. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See you guys.